0: all right good afternoon ladies and gentlemen and welcome once again to the rock and roll garage this is your uncle jimmy he's got a podcast that's gonna come out of his yap called grease the wheels specifically for you folks who work on things who fix things technicians mechanics guys who fucking solve problems man all of you whether you're working in the car business or whether you're working on planes or trains boats whatever the fuck else there is out there that gets broken you're the guys you're the guys, and if you're a girl and you work on that stuff, you're still you're one of the guys. You should be used to that shit by now. I would hope. Anyway, hey, want to bring you a kind of a bedtime story? Maybe I don't know. Uh, it, this is what it seemed like to me when I was coming up with this. This is not something that uh, exists today. Uh, I believe it is something that should exist. It's something that uh, maybe could exist, but it is right now a fairy tale. And I want to put it out there that way. And I want you to kind of react to it that way and maybe see it that way. And maybe there's a chance, maybe you could affect a change that would kind of bring it about, you know. And it's not like uh, Hansel or Gretel or Little Red Riding Hood or any of that kind of shit. But it is it is something that, that that's more real than that, something that really could happen, something that really maybe even should happen. But it's likely that it's not going to happen, but that doesn't keep us from uh, experiencing the fairy tale. Of what I'm going to call, or what I'm going to talk about today. See, what I'm going to talk about, what I want to uh, express to you today, what I want to tell you about today, is is a story. It's a story, but it's a story of how things could be. It's a story of how things are, and of how things will eventually get to the way they will be in the future. And it is, of course, uh, the future is very subjective. It's uh, it's not something that is written in stone anywhere. Well, maybe it is actually, but uh, if, if it is, we haven't been privy to it. We just have to kind of take it as it comes. Nobody could have predicted any of the things that have happened to us in the last, you know, two years, five years, 10 years, or 15 or 20 years. Nobody could have predicted any of that shit. And where it's going to go, we can only make predictions and then either hope they come true or hope they don't come true. Sometimes people predict things that are bad. We don't want that shit to happen. I mean, if you had predicted a uh, pandemic that uh, people were going to latch onto and make into the worst thing that ever happened to the human race, uh, you might not have agreed with that. And uh, some of us actually still don't agree with that. Some people do. Some people are taking it with a grain of salt. Some people are taking it with a booster shot. I don't know, you know, how to feel about that. So uh, I'm just going to kind of wait and see what happens, and probably nothing will. What I would like to do today is lay out the contrast okay, as part of the story, the contrast between what you and I do and what other people do. Now, in our current society right now, we uh, we have it broken down into genres. There's millions of different little genres, but I'm going to kind of make it as basic as I possibly can because basically I'm a basic bitch. And uh, basically that's how I understand things is by understanding the basics, okay? So what I'm going to talk about today and get, get to the point here is the uh, the difference between blue-collar workers and white-collar workers. Now, as an auto mechanic or even a mechanic of any kind, you are definitely a blue-collar worker. You're a guy who goes to work. And, and when I say guys, I want to reiterate, I mean the ladies too, okay? I don't want to leave anybody out. But when you guys go to work, you uh, you go to work to repair things or to maintain things. You use tools. Uh, you're typically standing up. You're typically moving. You might be traveling. You might be mobile. And you are a problem solver. You're somebody who solves problems, at least that is if you're good at what you do. There are uh, quite a few people out there who uh, do the job that we do, and maybe they're not such great problem solvers. And uh, when they move forward, it's uh, very slow speeds with little tiny baby steps. And then there's others out there, and I would think that I would, or at least I would like to think that this uh, describes most of us as we go in, uh, we kick ass, we take names, and we get the fuck out. And then white collar people, okay, and then the world can't survive without these people, okay? Uh, They can't survive without us. They can't, we can't survive without them. It's kind of a, uh, of a, of a yin and yang thing where you have to have one to have the other. And it's difficult to even point to one side or the other and say that that side is more important than the other. Okay. So I'm not going to really attempt to do that, but I am going to try to make the contrast and point it out that there is a contrast and that different things happen to different people in a different manner. Okay. What I mean is if you work as a white collar employee, at a company, and typically when we talk about white collar people, we're talking about people who, well, I've said it before, people who sit in chairs and do certain things that don't really involve them being all that physical. They certainly don't have a toolbox. They certainly don't have their own clothes that they change into uh, in in the morning when they show up to work. And they don't get dirty, and they don't have to lift up things, and they don't have to install things, and they don't have to clean things, and and this is typically a white collar type of existence where you go in and you either uh, develop things, or you design things, or you engineer things, which is different actually, and or you make calculations of some kind, or perhaps you do coding or programming of one of the other of these things. Now, uh, the thing is with a white collar job as compared to a blue collar job, even though it could be considered easier in some cases, it pays a hell of a lot more. It pays a hell of a lot more, and I don't have any problem with that. I mean, if you have a, a, a particular individual who runs a company, maybe he's the the CEO or he's the president or the founder, or maybe he's a, a, a in HR or they're an accountant of some kind, or maybe they're just an overall general manager or a managing partner or whatever you, you there's a million fucking job titles out there for these people. Your job's important. The things that you do, you have to make decisions. You have to decide that this is going to be like this and you have to decide that that's going to be like that. And that's going to be it. And you have to several different sets of rules and laws that you have to follow. It's a difficult thing to do. I mean, a a typical white collar guy and, and like here again, could be a woman uh and in many cases women make better white collar men than men do because they think along they just think differently than than men do and uh sometimes this is a very good thing and i'm thinking that uh, in business Sometimes it could be a better thing to think along the lines of a lady than a man. But I digress, and let me get back to what I'm saying here. When you talk about a white-collar individual, somebody who works a job like that, it's typically not very physically demanding. Okay, great. So, one of two things can happen to that human being. As someone who doesn't physically, you know, stress themselves out or even even do anything physical at work, which they spend anywhere from eight hours to 10, maybe even 12 hours doing, if they don't do anything physical at all, ever, they will atrophy uh, to a point where they will become a flat, useless blob of nothing. And uh, it, it's very difficult for them to even continue to survive at some point. So white collar people typically will hit a gym or run or or walk at least, or or do something physical when they're not at work also to uh they're not gonna hurt themselves at work it's just not something that happens i mean maybe maybe just maybe you could get a nasty paper cut and you'll hear people say this this is so weird oh there's nothing worse than a paper cut and i'm like you know what that's bullshit because really like a hatchet fucking wound is way fucking worse than a paper cut okay or you know maybe maybe actually uh taking off a limb or getting crushed by something heavy, you know, all of that shit's worse worse than a fucking paper cut, let me tell you, you could accidentally staple, uh, put a staple into your thumb, ouch, yes, that would hurt, there would be blood, oh my god, call 911, what the fuck, are you kidding me, really, I do shit worse than that every fucking day, folks, as, a, as an auto mechanic, I do shit worse than that every day, and I just, I blow it up, but you should see my hands with the with the scrapes and the scars and the swollen knuckles, it doesn't even really resemble a human hand anymore. But that's because I've been doing it for a while. And I think a lot of you have the same sort of thing going on. But as a white collar person, as somebody who works in an office, your life is probably pretty good because you make a substantial salary doing whatever it is you do, even though you don't have to get out of your chair too much to do it. Uh, maybe you'll have to make some decisions about, you know, where a, a door lock knob goes on a car or maybe uh house, you know, what what materials to make a toaster out of, you know, or or perhaps, uh, you know, what kind of doorknobs you should put in a new high rise building. I mean, there's a million fucking things that are done by people who are white collar employees and white collar people, white collar workers that would be, you know, basically simple enough for a lot of people to do. But they get paid well to do it and and usually they do it with great success. But it affords a lifestyle for them that I really I honestly uh I, I don't myself personally envy it that much, but I think a lot of auto mechanics and a lot of a lot of us out there in the physical blue-collar world do actually envy. You know, these people go into work and the the building is air conditioned and and they have a water cooler and they wear a shirt and a tie and all the other people in that particular uh, office are friendly and polite and courteous and kind and they're they're friendly and I probably said friendly twice, but they're friendly. I mean, they're people that don't have to work that hard to do what they do. They just, whatever they're doing is t- making decisions or typing stuff in on a on a terminal or a laptop or, or even just uh, using a, a phone to, to communicate some of the decisions that they've made or whatever it is they do. Or maybe they're just secretary or maybe they file things, or maybe their accounts. Whatever it is they do, they get to do it in an office, in an air conditioned office, and they get to wear nice clothes to work. And guess what? They're still nice when they leave work. And maybe that you know they have they have shoes that are shine, and the tie is always straight, and and they wear a coat. And then they take it off and hang it on a hanger so it doesn't get all effed up. And um, they, they just, that's what they do. And they go home and, and and the wife is happy to see them or whoever they have for any kind of a part for a partner. And they have a house and it's in the suburbs and the lawn is mowed because the kids are smart and they're polite and they're kind and they've been brought up right and they know what to do. And and when you ask them to mow the lawn, they do it. They get good grades and they're, they're headed to college somewhere. They're gonna go to a four-year college and they're gonna also be white collar workers in the future. And they're going to enjoy themselves in in high school because they have a lot of friends and they get their work done. But you know, I mean, it's a whole genre of living, occupationally and of course, in the upper middle class and maybe even in the high class, who knows? Who even knows anybody in the high class anymore? I don't really consider people with a lot of money high class. I mean, it doesn't go hand in hand anymore if you, you, you meet, meet or are familiar with people who are extraordinarily or even brutally rich. You know, being high class doesn't really have anything to do with money. Money doesn't buy class. It doesn't also exclude you from class either, although in our case, it might. But you have a whole lifestyle that is very comfortable It's very clean and nice, and and you, you become one of the shiny, happy people, and you live in a peaches and cream world and everything is good. Uh, you have uh, this spectacular health care, and you're obviously, as, as you're familiar with me saying, it's too general of a statement to be true in all cases, because there's always something else going on under the, under the uh, guise of how perfect somebody's life may be. It could be an addiction, or it could just be cheating, or it could be stealing. It could be anything, but we're not really talking about that so much anyway. Um, we're just talking about the idyllic lifestyle that comes along with being a white collar type of a person. And these people are trained to do that from the very beginning when they go through high school and when they go to college and when they become college educated and then they they get themselves matriculated through a network into uh, a sort of a, a this this lifestyle that I'm talking about okay and it happens to a lot of people it happened to my father uh he went to college after getting out of the out of the uh, service in the Korean war and then from there he got a job working at a company in my hometown where he was well paid and he was well thought of at least for a while anyway and uh, <laughs> No, he was, he was a very upright employee and he was a very upright citizen. And I, I know I've said some things that maybe, you know, and put him in, show him in a poor light, but he was, that was not the person he was. He was great. Everybody loved him and, uh, and he loved everybody. It just seemed like he, he didn't really like me that much. It's fine. If you know me, you probably understand why. Uh, but that's all, that's, that's neither here nor there. He was definitely definitely a white collar guy. I can still remember as a child, he would come home from work and he was, he was uh, <laughs> like my brothers, he didn't have much hair on his head at a very young age which is a terrible thing because (laughs) your Uncle Jimmy has a full head of hair at an advanced age, whereas his brothers were bald pretty much right after their teen years were over, uh, which is a source of amusement for me, but not that much, but still, still, it's slightly humorous. But my father would come home from uh, from work, and he would be in a suit and a tie, and he would pull in, and he had a toupee. He would wear a toupee because he felt like it made him look younger, and he was right. It did. But then when I went back into the house a little while later, and he'd already been there for a while, there would be this bald guy sitting at the dinner table in a wife beater. <laughs> like It's like I had two fathers, you know, the one who went to work and was responsible and cool, and everybody liked, and he was a gentleman, and he was smart. And then there was this guy at the table who's going to be pissed off about something that I did that day uh so and then that's part of that's 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 a part of being a white collar type of an individual and i'm not knocking it at all as i think as a matter of fact a lot of us kind of yearn for that lifestyle those of us who work as a, a blue collar type of an individual now let me just uh Now let me just take this and veer this off into another direction. Okay, let's just start right at the beginning in high school and say, okay, you know, you got uh, maybe you've got some mechanical skills and you feel like you like working on cars, and for some reason you you decide to go to an automotive tech school, and you know, and that that could happen in any era. Really, could happen anywhere from the 40s right up until now. You you know, there's uh, there's been automotive tech schools throughout the land for many 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 years, and it probably. Maybe five years after the automobile was invented, they figured out that, well, engineers and and uh, you know engineers and uh, designers and, and tool and die makers are really a little bit too expensive. They to have them fixing automobiles, so they came up with this whole new genre of employment as auto mechanics, and uh, they were, eh, I would say. Uh, they were probably treated fairly well in the beginning. And then after a while, it became obvious that everything was uh, built rather simply. And so it could be fixed rather simply. And, and you shouldn't have to pay a whole lot of money to people who are going to be able to fix these things. OK, so you you head down that path for whatever reason you decide to chew college like I did. And then you you become interested in making your automobile run and you're you're fairly decent at it. And you decide that that's a, a good way to earn money. So you go that route and then eventually you get to a point and you know, obviously if you work on cars, you're definitely a blue collar guy, but it's a different it's a different job. It's so it's not a white collar job at all. It's, it's the kind of job where, you know, if you show up a minute late and you're not salary, you're hourly or maybe you're just flat rate, which is which is ridiculous to think about, uh, you know, how the flat rate system works because you get paid for what you work on, whether you're late or not really shouldn't matter all that much as long as you produce. I mean, you know, if I showed up at nine and I left at three in the afternoon, but I turned 15 hours, I would think that my boss would be like, hey, you know, that's that's cool. You you made 15 hours in six hours, but that's not how they think, you know. That's not how they think at all. They want you there for 15 hours and they want you to make 150 hours. I'm not even sure. and then, But we're going to get to that in a, in a few minutes. But, uh, you know, as, as far as being an auto mechanic, it doesn't take that long to learn it. In the beginning, obviously, they don't give you experience. Experience is one of those things that you have to earn on your own. And maybe you get it from other people a little bit. I mean, and you can't buy it when you're young. And you you really can't even buy it at any time. But when you're young, they proof you and you're never old enough to buy experience. You have to just get it. And in just a a little short offshoot of this particular podcast, uh, the kids that are out there that want to get experience from you, if you have some way of doing something and they seem eager to learn it, definitely, definitely put put them in touch with the information that will make their lives easier that you have learned from experience, because they're going to need to pass it on. And believe me, they're not a threat. They're not a threat. There's there's more than enough jobs out there for all the technicians in this country, at least. And I'm not even sure how it's working out in other countries. I'm sure that there's a, a dire shortage of, of automotive technicians all over the world. I'm sure that it's worldwide. But at least in the United States, we know uh, that it is ex- definitely, definitely excruciating. It is mind-numbing. It is, uh, and I quote this all the time, but the current figures put it at about 650,000 Technicians short. So, anybody coming into your building, whether they're really, really good at it or whether they're not really good at it or whether they suck at all, they are not the competition. They're help. They're help for you, okay? Maybe they're going to do some of the jobs that you don't have to do. Maybe they're going to do some of the jobs that you don't want to do. Maybe they're going to do some of the jobs you want to do. And then, of course, obviously, you'll be a little bit upset about that. But, you know, you're just going to have to move forward on that as far as that goes, okay? So you work, let's, let's just pick an average length of time for somebody to work as an automotive technician. Let's say 20 years, okay? Because really, I don't uh, honestly recommend to anybody that they be, be an automotive mechanic for any more than 20 years. Just don't do it. Find some other occupation. Find some other way of making a living. Find some other way to earn money, to have a family, to have a hobby, to do whatever it is you do. If you have an addiction, if you got to fund that, whatever, whatever it is you spend your money on. I'm not here to, to, I'm not here to make any judgment calls, okay? But whatever it is you need to keep yourself alive and keep yourself happy and keep yourself comfortable, whatever it is you need to do. If you're an auto mechanic and you're doing this for over 20, 25 years, you got to find another way to, to, to make a living. Okay. I, I think it's, it's not, it's not a good thing to keep doing this. Okay. And here's why, uh, as a, as a blue collar job, it sucks. It sucks big time. And we all know that. Okay, now there are certain parts of it that are cool. You might have a a great deal of camaraderie with the people that you work with, maybe some or maybe even all of them. You might have a make of cars or a make of trucks or even heavy-duty trucks or diesel trucks, and you love working on them for some insane reason. And believe me, I'm right with you there. I love what I do. I do. In quiet moments in my life, I think to myself that it's not right, that I should like what I do because it is hard. It is really fucking hard some days. Other days, it's so fucking easy and simple, and you wonder why it can't be like that all the time. But it's not, and it's not going to be, and it's not ever going to be. And it is not going to get easier at all by any stretch of the imagination. See, here's the thing with a white-collar job is that there are best practices for everything out there, and accounting has been accounting since they figured out how to count past uh, 10, Okay, that's all been the same. All that shit is all the same. Really, it's computer developers and computer software engineers and all those people who are really coming up with new stuff. And really all they're doing is figuring out how to repurpose the internet to provide commerce. And really, that's not anything new. The ideas they come up with for the commerce that you're going to have on the internet. Now that's different and there's a different way of doing them and they solve problems. And yes, yeah, so some of those people are smart and I'm not going to, I don't want to take anything away from anyone who does that sort of thing, but uh, it, it's just not that tough physically as an auto mechanic. Your job is tough physically, you know, and you, you are all in the same boat. So when I say I, I mean, we, is really what I should say. We have to pick up heavy shit all the fucking time. We have to pick, I had a car, just last week i just want to i just want to take this take this moment to point out something that i did that i don't do normally i had a car that came in and we sold four tires on it and it was one of the biggest goddamn vehicles that we sell and the wheels were fucking i swear to god they were two feet wide they were 22 inch and even though the wheel rim was aluminum these things still weighed close to 200 fucking pounds i swear to god these things were so fucking heavy and we have all kinds of devices in our shop that we can use to lift up tires and wheels And I don't usually use them. Usually I man up and just pick these things up and put them on the vehicle. And I've got a a specific method I use to keep myself from getting hurt because I have hurt myself in the past. But we also have a machine that will pick up the tires and rims and and hoist them up so that you can can bolt them to the car. And it works really, really well. And uh, if you have this this device in your shop, I think a lot of you do, you should definitely become familiar with it because an excellent way to fucking break your ass and make your back hurt is to pick up some of these fucking outrageously heavy wheel and tire combinations and if you're a heavy duty guy you know exactly what i'm talking about you guys don't go anywhere near any of the parts on some of those heavy duty trucks without a fucking forklift and i've seen it you know you got to change a tire or a wheel on one of those things you wouldn't fucking even fucking bother for two seconds to think that you could handle it with yourself alone personally without any sort of equipment or any other human beings there and that's the way it's getting with some of these tires on some of these massive SUVs we have. I call them Zeppelins because they're just that goddamn big. I mean, you have to have a really big fucking garage, even a Zeppelin hanger to keep the fucking things in. So, And I, I took this one particular vehicle, I did the wheels and the tires on, and I did not pick up even one of them. If I had to get it down from somewhere, I let gravity pull it down. Once it was on the ground, I put it on a cart. I moved it over to the tire machine, the tire machine picks them up for you and then also the wheel balancer picks them up for you and puts them on the the hub to balance them so if you have this equipment please use it it will keep your back happy it will keep your wife happy it will keep yourself happy because you're not going to be in pain and you're not going to get addicted to oxycontin or whatever it is they give you to kill the back pain and you're not going to have to go to the hospital and get surgery just use the equipment that they give you to help you okay some people that are smarter than us thought that it would be a good idea if we didn't get hurt because we can't make them any money (laughs) Uh, so there was an ulterior motive behind it but you know i mean that's just the way it works it's just the way it works. They don't want us to get hurt because hurt technicians go home and don't come back and, and when they come back they do less. And so if they keep can keep us from getting hurt, they will spend the money to buy the machines to keep us from getting hurt. And it's uh it's self-serving. But uh, take advantage of it anyway, okay? Don't don't thwart them on their efforts to keep you healthy. All right. And that's the thing, that's the thing that I want to point out the most is that being an auto mechanic, and if you do it, I think anything for over 20 years, you're just asking for it. It is going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you bad at some point. I mean, a kid in the shop the other day was working on a seat frame, and I swear a fucking little kid with a file goes in there and sharpens the edges on these fucking things before they bolt them in the car because since i've been doing it i've been doing it about 20 years now they have the sharpest fucking edges i've ever felt i mean knives that i have in my kitchen are duller than the edges of a fucking seat frame so be careful out there with that shit you know and uh, i mean maybe this is going to turn into a psa for not hurting yourself but you know you need to be reminded to be careful. Wear gloves when you're handling raw sheet metal, for fuck's sake. I can remember having to pick up a bed off of a truck one time, and the edge of the sheet metal was as fucking sharp as a Ginsu fucking knife and almost fucking tore my fingers off. And the guys all got upset with me because I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, minute. before we get started, I gotta go get some gloves. They're like, oh, you're a pussy. And I said, I would like to be a five-fingered pussy, okay, asshole. So being an auto mechanic, and being a mechanic really of any kind is is a tough, dirty, mean, evil, disastrous, fucking temperamental uh just a sh- it's a shit job. It is a shit job. And it is really no wonder to this guy right here behind the microphone that nobody wants to fucking do it. Nobody wants to do it. See back in the day when I was a kid, we didn't really have the internet all that much. We wanted to find out about some something we had to look it up in a library there's no books in the library that say being an auto mechanic sucks dick they all say oh it's great job you know or oh you know you you can do this and that you know and then when you talk to people back in those days they would tell you well you know it's not for everybody they were a lot kinder about it it was kind of a a different place you know in the 70s and the 80s when you ask people about being an auto mechanic they say well it can be it can be a good job yeah it could be a good job but it's not you know and nowadays nowadays because everybody's on the internet they're on your internet on the phone they want to find out if a job sucks or they want to find out if a job is a good job to have or a good job to go to school to learn a learn a trade they go right on the internet and you know what the internet says the internet says being an auto mechanic sucks and you know what grease the wheels says it being an auto mechanic sucks and it does suck it does suck because we are treated as we're treated as blue collar workers which is almost exactly the same as saying we're treated like second-class citizens. In some of the places I've worked where they have a sales force, and these are white-collar people for sure, and maybe they aren't really white-collar people, but they sure fucking think they are, and for all intents and purposes, they might as well be because they're not asked to do anything physical. They just have to talk to people and try to overcome the objection of selling them something. And here's the best part about that job, about being a salesperson in a car dealership, is that that job is completely and 100% obsolete it's obsolete folks and uh, I, I couldn't be happier about it now I've uh, let me just be straight with you okay I know a lot of sales who are very very good they're nice people they're kind they're friendly they're helpful but for everyone i know that is is a good person and a good guy and somebody you like and somebody you can you can even talk to and somebody who's caring there's another one who's just a scumbag and a fucking pirate and and a selfish and ignorant and oh yeah by the way treats the mechanics like they're pieces of fucking shit and i'm telling you if the world ever comes to a screeching fucking halt there's an apocalypse and there's zombies everywhere Uh, And we have no food. We're going to cook all these fucking jackass, fucking selfish, ignorant, fucking salespeople up. We're going to have a fucking barbecue, probably on day one, too. Because they're going to be all soft and doughy. Because they don't ever have to work that fucking hard. And they think they've made it. I'm I'm a car salesman. I've made it. I am... Firmly ensconced in a white collar job, and it's never going to go away, and they're full of shit. They know the handwriting is on the fucking wall. These places like Vroom and Carvana have showed us all that, uh, guess what? We People don't want to come in and buy a car. They want to sit at home and hit a buy it now button. They do the research they do the research on the car. They know more about the fucking cars than the salesmen too, at times. And they hit the button, buy it now, and they bring it to their fucking house in a flatbed and they don't even touch you. They call it touchless. They won't even touch you. They won't even shake your hand. They just ask you to sign the papers, then you fucking start paying for it, and you drive it, and, and if it's brand new, you probably have a brand new warranty, and if it's not brand new, it has some crazy warranty that these companies give you on these cars because for all intents and purposes, basically, they're just wholesale cars, and they never did anything to them, and if it needs something, they'll gladly pay for it. Because it's cheaper than fixing it beforehand. Let's say a car has 10 problems, but the customer only notices two of them. Okay, so you fix the two and you're glad you don't have to fucking fix the other eight. That's one of the things that the dealerships actually do. When they certify pre-own a car, they, they go through and they figure out everything that's all fucked up on that car. And then they fix it and then they sell it. But they, it's all wrong. That's not how these other places are doing it. They they give you the car as it. they clean it up, of course. You know, they clean the <laughs> they clean the Fruit Loops out of the back seat and vacuum up all the dog hair and spit shine the body and then drop it off at your house. And when you have a problem, they go, oh, take it to the dealer and then have them send us the bill, you know. And hopefully you're only complaining about one thing when they know in their minds that there's probably 13 things wrong with that car. But ladies and gentlemen, the fucking people that are coming into the goddamn showrooms to buy these cars, they know what they want. They know, they know what color they want. They know what engine they want. They know what car they want. They know what kind of tires they want. They know when they want to pick it up. They know what the interest rate is. Sometimes they come in and they're pre-qualified for loan money from somewhere else. They don't even need finance. What do they need a fucking salesman for? Somebody to go, hey, this is a really nice car. No, nah, yeah, I don't need, they don't need the reassurance of that shit. I mean, yeah, sure. There's going to be some people who are like, oh, I try to find somebody to talk to about the car. It's like, well, why the fuck didn't you just Skype the manufacturer? They'll talk to you all day long about the car. They're the ones who fucking built it. And pretty soon in the future, and I predicted this a while back, is that you won't even be able to buy a car that you didn't order. You'll have to order the car that you want. So you'll have to know that you need a car pretty much right away. Uh, They may have some laying around somewhere at a port somewhere. And, uh, you know, let's say you wreck your car on a Friday and you need a new car on Monday. They could probably have one brought in, you know, lickety split on a special car carrier and dropped right off of your house. Why not? Why wouldn't they do that? Why wouldn't they just totally tell the dealer, yeah, fuck you. You know, we don't need you. Right. So you've got the class warfare going on right in your building. If you're working at a new car dealership, it's going on. You know it. You've seen them. They walk through your shop, they're on the phone, they're fucking, you know, they're the, they're the fucking hottest thing since, the hottest thing going and they don't need you. You're just a fucking greasy old monkey with wrenches and screwdrivers in the back who fixes all this shit. And what they don't realize is that you're really the only people in the building that are really going to be necessary in the car dealers of the future. Because you sell a car one fucking time, but that car has to come back, what, every year, every six months, depending on how they drive it? And it... You know, that's if something's broken or if they just need maintenance. But in the in the lifespan of somebody owning a car, they're going to probably have to bring it in anywhere between five and 10 different times. So service is really where fixed ops, excuse me, I need to use the uh, white collar term, the fixed ops department is where you make the customers get to know you, where the customers get to know who you, and who you are and how you are and what you do. And the total experience, especially for a new car dealership, the total experience is all about how well the manufacturer built the car and how well you and your technicians take care of them when they bring that car to you, either with a problem or with just general maintenance, or both. And there's a revolution going on there. There's a revolution that's gonna go on there. And I'm gonna tell you about this revolution now, but I wanted to point out to you what the difference is between a white collar job and a blue collar job. And, and and the main difference is, okay, it's the money. In a white collar job, typically, typically white collar workers are paid a salary, which means you know you're gonna get X amount of dollars every week in a paycheck, regardless of what you do, regardless of when you show up for work, Regardless of when you leave work, regardless of how long you go to lunch, does that sound right at all? Not to me, it doesn't. But hey, that's the way it's been. It's been that way for a long time too. By the way, also too, your benefits are typically a lot better if if there's a if there's a a, a difference in benefit or there's different levels of benefits. You know, four hundred one ks and these sorts of things, maybe tuition reimbursement. Uh, nobody's ever volunteered to reimburse the tuition I paid for the automotive school. I went to, uh, why would they? It was only five grand anyway. I mean, I went a long time ago and it wasn't that expensive and, and it was underwritten by the government and I had to pay it back. It was just not that much. It was just not that much. The payments went on for fucking ever though. I mean, literally I paid for that for like 12 fucking years, but it was so small. It was like, I didn't even notice after a while, you know? I mean, it's like paying the paper boy almost. Um, And of course, a lot of you probably don't have any idea what that's like. When you get down and you start talking about technicians and the blue-collar workers in a shop or in a dealership, you're talking about different rates of pay for different levels of of experience. You're talking about different rates of pay for uh, different training that that particular individual has, for different experience that that individual has, uh, for the uh, college or the trade school that they went to that might earmark more or less pay. Uh, There are always going to be people who can fix things, who never had to go to school because they were smart enough to figure it out. And for some reason, they're smart enough to figure out how things work and make them work again once they're broken. But they're not smart enough to get the fuck out of the shop and take their tools home and sell them and get a job where they can they can be a white collar employee. There's some people who would not who do not enjoy that, who would not enjoy that if that was the way their life went. I don't think I would enjoy it. If I had to sit down all day at work, my hip would probably lock up and I'd have to be dragged out on a stretcher every day. There's no way I could do that. I have to stand up. I am standing up literally. And I mean, this is, this is the God's honest truth. I stand up literally 12 hours a day. The only time I sit down is when I'm taking a shit or I'm pulling a car out. And sometimes I wish I could take a shit in some of the cars I pull out, but that's a little difficult, but, uh, I don't sit down. It's just not something I do. I am on my feet. It's literally, literally, literally. I'm saying it three times because it's literally true. 12 fucking hours a day. I would love to see some of the chair sitting fucking people that I work with who think they're better than me and make more money than me. I'd love to see them try to stand up for 12 hours. And they're half my fucking age. They're half my age. They think they're better than me, or they treat me like shit, or at least they feel like they're in a different class than me, which is fine. I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been running into this for a long time, and it's just not going to change until they finally decide to tap these tap, tap these people on the shoulder and tell them they're fucking fired because they don't need them anymore because the customers are coming in and just buying the cars without their fucking help whatsoever, buying the cars without their help. They don't need them. They don't need them. But when they fuck up, they break down or they just want to have them inspected before they're bought. Maybe they want to have the batteries charged up. Maybe they want to have the washer solvent tank filled up. They need us, the guys in the back to wear the blue collar stuff. Now, uh, I was just saying that typically uh, white collar workers are salaried. And it's pretty much true. Uh, But when you you start talking about the pay for auto mechanics, and you guys, we all know this, and I go on and on and on. It is a fucking broken fucking record about the pay that we get. It's far too fucking little, considering a lot of different things, okay? But there are three ways to pay us. There's hourly, there's salary, and there's flat rate. And flat rate is never going to die, is never going to die. It needs to. I believe, honestly, that it needs to die for lots of reasons. And I'll just lay them out for you here real quick. Flat rate is something that the dealers are absolutely nuts over. They love it. They fucking love it. Because the incentive to work and make more money by a technician under the flat rate system makes them more fucking goddamn money than you can shake a stick at. Okay, now if you examine your paycheck as a flat rate technician, and you take every dollar that you make and you divide it by your rate of pay, and you get a number, and that's how many hours you turned. And then you multiply that number of hours that you turned. You can, get, you can do it in a month. You can even do it in a week. You could do it in a year, and I suggest you do it at the end of the year. You take all the money you made before taxes. You divide it by your rate of pay. That's how many hours you turned that year, and then you multiply that by your door labor rate and you're going to come up with a number that is going to fucking make you want to throw up blood you're going to come up with a number that is so astronomically fucking high and then you're going to wonder to yourself because this is how much money your company made off of you and it's going to be astounding all right so let's make let's say you made $20 an hour and you made $70,000 okay so we'll take $70,000 a year divided by 20 you got 3,500 hours that's a little high, I would say, 67 hours a week. Now, uh, I know that there's some of you guys out there that could probably bang out 67 hours every week for 52 weeks a year. It could be done. Uh, I know that there's some of you guys out there that make 70, 80, 90 hours almost every week. Some of you guys have uh, the skills and the and the talents and also the uh, the opportunity, okay? And that's a big, big uh, if. You have the opportunity to make a lot of hours every week. And so it's not really undoable. I would say 67 hours a week would be extraordinary, but not completely undoable, okay so now let's take that thirty five hundred hours a year and multiply that by let's say your door labor rates one hundred and fifty dollars an hour, yeah, it's half a million fucking dollars it's half a million dollars. They paid you seventy thousand dollars to make them half a million dollars. this is why this is why when people talk to me about the money or when I talk to other people about the money and when I talk to you about the money, I get cranky and pissed off because we just had a round of raises come through our shop and some guys didn't get any raise and some guys did and I did. But some of the guys in our shop got a dollar an hour, a dollar, one fucking dollar. So instead of making 70, oh my God, they made $73,000 and that's still making the same uh, amount of hours. So Out of that half a million dollars, they had to give you $73,500 instead of just $70,000. Oh my God, what a fucking tragedy that is. They they had to come up, they had to cough up an extra $3,500 out of that half a fucking million dollars that you earned them. You can understand now why, when you listen to this podcast sometimes, your Uncle Jimmy comes through the speakers like he's a fucking angry goddamn banshee. That right there is fucking why, okay? And so, also too, because of the, I mean, there's no other way to put this, folks. It's just sheer fucking greed. It is. It's sheer fucking greed. Why can't they fucking share with us more of the profits? Why can't they boost how much money we make? Why can't they increase the amount of money we make? Why can't they pay us a salary? And then maybe a bonus for hours turned over, I don't know, 45, 50. Why can't they do that? Because they're greedy fucking cocksuckers. That's why they want to keep all of the fucking money. And if you work for a company that has, a, it's a large corporation, you have so many other fucking people whose salaries that you have to earn money to pay. You're paying for all kinds of people to do all kinds of shit that, that helps you out. Not at fucking all. Not at all. And now... Really, honestly, a lot of salaries of the salespeople are being paid by the fixed ops department, which is you and me, because they don't have any fucking cars to sell. Yet they're still showing up to work and they're still getting paid, aren't they? I would send them all fucking home and say, you know what? Update your resume and find a different fucking job, asshole. Seriously, get the fuck out of this business because this business doesn't fucking need you. Okay, I would really love to not pay the salaries of the salespeople. But at this particular point in time, with the fact that there's no fucking cars on the lots anywhere in the United States of America, that's what's happening. And you know what? Because I make them a half a million dollars a year, they can afford to fucking do that. And I would love it if they would fucking pull their head out of their ass and realize that they don't have to do it and they should fucking stop doing it. Now, I fucking laugh right straight fucking out loud. When I listen to people, a lot of these people are consultants who are like, oh, we, we know why there's a problem. There's no chop classes in high school or no kids want to get into this field. Yeah, no shit. No kids want to get in this field. All they got to do is go on the Internet and see that the job sucks dick. And all you got to do is crunch a few numbers on a simple calculator to see that you are a greedy bunch of cocksuckers who are fucking getting upset because you can't continue to have it your way because you have fucking raised this particular profession, this particular occupation, you have raised it to the ground. You have destroyed it. You have completely gutted it. This infrastructure of employees that want to be automotive technicians has been gutted. You have gutted it with your shit pay and your fucking chaos and your shitty working conditions and all the other fucking stupid bullshit you try to get us to do. Now, if you want to fix the fucking problem, we can help you fix the problem. The number one fucking part of the problem here is that this job sucks and you don't either know it or you're not going to acknowledge it. But let me tell you straight up, this job sucks, okay, because... Every day I go to work and tell me, literally, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this podcast and you don't feel that I'm right about any of this stuff, go ahead and tell me. Blast me. When I'm wrong, I will admit I'm wrong. And if you show me a different point of view that lets me know I'm wrong, I will gladly acknowledge, okay, because a lot of this is really pretty much strictly my opinion. I don't believe I'm too far off but maybe I am. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. And if I'm wrong and I see something from a different point of view, because you pointed out to me, then I will honestly be grateful because I would love to understand why, why the people in our profession, why the people I work with, why the mechanics I work with, why the technicians I work with, why we're treated like something stuck to the bottom of somebody's fucking shoe. I would love to know why. We're creating a commodity called labor that gets sold for a lot of money. And yet you're doiling out a fucking pittance to us. You're going to make half a million dollars on a guy who turns 60 hours, 67 hours a week, and you pay him 20 bucks, and he wants a raise, and you give him a dollar? What the fuck is wrong with you? Don't you understand anything? It's called the laws of supply and demand, boys and girls. I go on and on and on about it, but you know what, instead of complaining about it, I'm going to offer up a solution. And I've offered this solution before, but it just seems to me like this is the way it's got to go. Number one, I believe that you need to do away with flat rate, okay? Yes, there were, there would be some technicians who would be upset with that because they can kill flat rate. You know, they'll make 67 hours, maybe even 87, maybe even 107 hours a week, you know, because they work on stuff they're familiar with it they know exactly what to do they can take a 5 hour job and do it in 20 minutes and and they'll be able to to turn all kinds of crazy hours and they would be upset but the thing is with flat rate especially and the dealers love it because it incentivizes you without actually saying that they're incentivizing you it's just a it's just a way that they pay you And you seem to be okay with it. And believe me, your employer is definitely okay with it. Trust me when I tell you, there's not a single employer out there who's paying their technicians flat rate who is even for one fucking second considering switching you to salary. There's not, it's not happening. Okay, a lot of the manufacturers out there would really like it if you were salaried. And there's very specific reasons for that. And I'll get to that in a second here. But there isn't a single fucking franchise out there that is employing technicians in their fixed ops department uh, that wants to pay salary. There, there's not one. Okay. There's not one. And the reasons are as simple as, as looking at the other w- white collar fucks that work in their building is they're not motivated to do anything because they're just going to get paid even if they do nothing. And yes, that's part of the problem. You pay somebody's salary. They're going to stop working as fast as they can. They may start working more accurately they may start being better at what they do. They may actually do something correctly instead of quickly. There is a difference. Uh, anyone who works flat rate knows that there is a large difference between quickly and correctly. A big difference. And and believe me, your uncle Jimmy knows what it is. I know what it is. There's things that I do sometimes that would make a, that would make the owner just have a grand mal seizure right there on a the fucking floor right in front of me. There's things. I mean, I there are sometimes. When I got to get something done on a car, there are just zero fucks given. And pry bars go in where fucking tiny little jeweler screwdrivers should have gone. But nope. Nope. Get that fucking thing out of the way. Pry that bitch. And if it breaks, well, it was going to break, but it usually doesn't break because you get skill after a while. And that's the level of experience. That's the mark of experience where you can pry on something fragile and not break it and still get the job done. And you guys know what I'm talking about. That's a problem for the people in the white collar end of the business is they don't understand that. They're never going to understand some of the things that we do as technicians. They're never going to understand. Okay. So now we were talking about fixing the problem. I think number one, Despite some of your objections, you need to do away with flat rate and make all technicians salary. Number two, what you need to do is you need to take their hire date. I've talked about this before. You need to take their hire date and offer up a review on that exact day every fucking year. And every year you have to earmark an increase in pay. And you have to make it meritorious. You have to make it based on merit. Is the guy a good technician? Does he does he get the job done? Does he get the job done timely? Is he helpful? Is he friendly? Is he courteous? Is he All the things a Boy Scout should be, yes. He does a great job. Does he give you the extra work when you need it? Yes. You know, you have to check off all the boxes. Yes, 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 yes. Is he a good employee? Great. Then he gets the maximum raise he could get, which could be anywhere between, shit, a dollar, $2, $5, it should be probably more, okay? And I'll go into that in a minute, okay? But if the if the employee is having trouble, maybe figuring out how to do the job or maybe he doesn't do the job right, has a lot of comebacks, then maybe you offer him a minuscule wage increase. We should definitely offer him a wage increase of some kind, but just let him know that he can earn a larger wage increase if he picks up the pace and does the job a little bit better. That's all you want is for your technicians to get better every day really but every year you want to earmark money for them to have been better to be better than next year okay and i would i would suggest that you could put a signpost up ahead for them to shoot for They say listen if you work here for 10 years and you earn the maximum wage that you can earn every year you would be at a figure that's right around six digits a hundred thousand dollars a year and folks that really is like the the the, the pinnacle that is the spot that we all want to get to as technicians. We want to get to that six-figure income. And you know why? Because that seems to be the watershed point where you can buy things that you want to buy. You can buy things you know that you need, but you can buy things that you want. You can, you can have a family. You can afford to have a family. You can afford to live in a nice part of town. You can afford a nice car. Those are the things that you can do if you are making good money. The problem with the flat rate is that you could make good money one week and then the next week you're going to get fucked. It's happening to me right now as we speak. I turned. we have a two-week pay period. I turned right around 100 hours for a two-week pay period, which isn't too bad for me. And then this next last week that we just went through, I've got 21 hours. Where am I going with that? I'm getting fucked because there's some people in my fucking building who can't do their job right. They can't sell anything. They don't dispatch correctly. I'm, I'm getting fed up with the fucking bullshit. I'm going to tell these people to fucking stick it up their ass pretty soon. They're not paying any attention to what the fuck is going on out in the shop and it's going all awry and people leave and they give you a dollar an hour raise to stay and they don't realize that it's almost an insult. They don't, they don't see it as an insult. Their salary, they don't care. Oh, we gave you a raise. You gave me a dollar. It's like I could fucking, if I kept all the change in all the cars that I fucking worked on all week with the customer wouldn't even notice, I could make more than that. So what the fuck, you know? No, here's what has to happen is that the job has to become almost a white-collar job. And you know what? It is going to go that way anyway. You know why? Because the cars are getting more and more and more difficult to fix every fucking season. Every time a new car comes out, there's some new fucking option on it. And I, you know, I, I beat the shit out of this one, too, but the cars are getting smarter. They're getting harder to work on. They're getting harder to figure out what's going on with them. And you can't just roll in as some dipshit who's been working on his car for a couple of years and you're 18 years old. You're not going to be able to roll in and do any of the stuff that we need to have done to the cars now. You're going to have to go to a tech school. It'd be a good idea to go to a manufacturer, a a brand manufacturer's school for two, three, six months. And then when you get into the dealership, you might have a clue how to fix a few things. You're not gonna have you're not gonna have all the certifications you need to do even air conditioning or hybrid shit. You're not gonna have any of that shit. You're just gonna have the basics. And where you go from the basics is up to you. But if you're put on the track, if your little caboose is put on the back of the train and you're on the track to get uh, to do the job, and in a year they come down, they say, "Well, you know, you came to us, you were pretty green, and you've been here a year, and you know, you, you you did better at this, you did better at this, you're better at this, and you're good at this, you suck at this still. So we're not going to give you the maximum raise, but we're going to give you a raise, and we want to see you do better next year, and then we'll see you on this fucking date next year, and it should be a salary type of pay. It should be a salary. Let me tell you something else, okay? It is very difficult to get a car loan or a mortgage. When you go into the bank and the people ask you, how much money do you make a week? And you have to look at them and go, I don't know. It depends on how many broken cars I get to work on that week. Nobody wants, nobody is going to give you, nobody's going to give you a fucking loan with nebulous income like that. Nobody's going to say, wow, he doesn't know how much money he's going to make from one week to the next. Why would we give him a loan? Well, we're not going to, that's why. Huh. It, just, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. And so really you've, it, you, you you're chopping us out of, a class. You're chopping us down into a poor middle class or even a poor class really when you do that. And because you don't pay us enough anyway. And then what has happened is the result of your greed, the result of flat rate pay, the result of the fact that you have no idea how much money you're going to make from one week to the next. You have no idea how much money you're going to make at the end of the year. You have no idea. There's so many different factors. There's so many different factors. What has happened is that dealerships and shops that don't pay well have destroyed the occupation. And because they have destroyed the occupation and run it right down into the ground and just, they've basically fucking buried it. It's dead. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody is going to want to do it until there is a fucking change, a sea change. A paradigm shift is really what it's going to have to be, okay? They're going to have to figure out a whole new fucking philosophy, they're going to have to figure out an entirely different way of doing it. And it's not something that would be all that difficult, really. Honestly, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, I have laid out for you what you need to do. You need to treat people like people. Hello, hard enough to do, right? You need to uh, be aware of of the fucking problems that we run into in the shop. You need to be aware of them. If I don't have certain tools, I can't do certain jobs. If I have don't have certain tools, I may hurt myself or damage a vehicle trying to do something in, a, in an unauthorized or unapproved manner. This is a problem that someone who is a fucking white-collar cocksucker sitting in a fucking chair somewhere should fucking try to handle. But no, instead, it always falls on us, it seems like. The pay needs to be commensurate with what we're having to do, with what we're going to have to do in the future for some of the hazards we have to put up with. Also, too, there's there's a level, I've talked about this, and I believe And believe me, I know that you all know what I mean when I say this. There's a level of fucking chaos in a shop whether it's fucking waiters or people who came rolling in off the street or something that didn't get done right and the guy's not there that day or there's a comeback or something fell on something or something didn't get fixed right or something flew across the shop because somebody was using something incorrectly and it flew through the windshield of another car or there's just so many fucking things and i can't you know i'm gonna start making a list of the things that add to the chaos of a shop and i'll do a podcast on it because i know that you all have to deal with that shit i know that 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 shit comes down the fucking pike for you every motherfucking day you know parts forgot to order a part or they order the wrong part or they order the left side instead of the right side and I'm you know, I'm not going to sit here and blame the parts department you know me I have a special relationship with them and I'm not going to fuck that up at all and besides that was me at one time or another so you know you got guys back there who are working hard and trying to get the job done right and if you come in and you're a cocksucker to them guess what they're going to be a cocksucker to you you know but this is part of the chaos you know you know you have problems with parts also too and one of the problems i have is that uh, i have to find cars out behind the building and you would think it would be easy because every one of the parking spaces behind the building it's got a number in front of it and, and oh by the way they're all different numbers so if you put down you know 621 on the back of the key tag i can go to parking spot 621 and that car should be there but i've got fucking a couple of morons in the front who work as car porters who don't put these numbers on the key tags. And for the life of me, I don't know why. And I would like to find out why with a machete. Say, oh, I see your fucking brain, your skull is empty. That's why, because you're stupid. Okay, I need you to do that. You know, this is part of the chaos. Can I spend 10, 20 minutes outside walking around the lot looking for a fucking car? It happens all the fucking time. And all they got to do is write three fucking small digits on the back of a key tag, but they don't do it. So this is another thing that goes on, okay? How about, how about you know, service advisors? And and these people, they really, I think that they manufacture chaos at times. Some of the complaints that they write, some of the fucking concerns that the customers come in with, and and they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, but they have an excuse. But service advisors shouldn't have an excuse, you know? And some of you, we, we have had, I don't know if this is just us or if this is going on around the country or what, but we have had some of the most God awful horseshit complaints you've ever fucking heard. And I'm going to make a list of some of them too, because they're ridiculous. And if I don't write them down, I can't even remember just how fucking ridiculous they were. But you know, a service advisor could take 10 seconds out of his fucking day to clarify what that person's talking about instead of just writing down what they said, maybe even condensing it down into a fucking complete and total nonsense statement, and then fucking passing it off as a repair order. That's like, what? What the fuck did this guy say? Don't use innuendo. Don't use slang terms. Tell me which fucking door it's in. Tell me which tire it is. Tell me if it's if it's the glass, if it's the top, if it's the bottom, if it's inside, if it's outside, tell me what it smells like. Tell me what it sounds like, but don't just go, oh, you know, it makes a sound. Boom. And that's it. What the fuck? You're adding to the chaos. Help eliminate the chaos. You should have somebody who is also to an equipment manager, almost like you would have on a football team or something, you know, but instead of getting the helmets and the fucking jock straps and a fucking and shoulder pads and a balls or whatever else there is together they would be out in the shop fixing all the equipment that gets broken by the dumb fucks that we that work in the building with us you know do the the lights on the alignment machine work no they haven't worked for fucking years does the guy look at him no he never fucking looks at him you know why there's nobody's telling him to you know, I could tell him to. I could say, hey, the lights got a thing got to work. And he'll just look at me and say, who the fuck are you? And I said, I'm the guy who's going to beat your ass if you don't fix those lights. Well, that doesn't really get me very fucking far, people, though. But we, our equipment is broken a lot. And we are new, which is so weird because we've had shit that's been broken since day one. We've also had shit that never worked right. We've also had shit that breaks often. I mean, I don't know what the fuck is going on. But we, I, and I swear, I swear the whole place that we work in is cursed. I swear the whole place is. And it is now extended to our loaner car fleet because the customers that we loan our cars to seem to be going to a demolition fucking derby with them. It is ridiculous. Are any of you having this problem out there? I certainly hope you're not because our lot is full of cars that are fucked up that we own that our customers were driving as loaners while we tried to fix their fucking car. It's fucking ridiculous. We even had one. I have to just kind of give you a quickie on this one. We had one it was a it's a really nice car. It's, again, I work for a highline and so we have a few really nice cars in our loaner fleet. And one of the nicer cars we have in our loaner fleet, allegedly, because you know how people are fucking liars sometimes, allegedly it got stolen. And this car got fucked up royal. Royal. All the body panels are dented or damaged. There's a control display inside. Somebody punched that. Their shit ripped out. Their shit's fucked up. And the p- person who borrowed that car from us, the person that we loaned it to, is responsible for those repairs through their insurance company. Oh, oh, that fucking hurts. That hurts for them, not for me. I don't give a fuck, but I mean, I don't, you know, that, that does affect my, my end of the business though, because if I don't have loaner cars, then the repairs I do become waiters, which sucks. And this is another thing that somebody who sits in a chair and, and gets a salary should be thinking about and figuring out a way to take care of, figuring out a way to solve the problems. Okay. Now, look. I want to end this podcast because basically it's just a big fat fucking rant about how things are and how things could be. And no one's listening except us. And we are not going to be the ones who can affect the change. Okay. But let me just say this and then I'll get off and I promise I'll go away for a week. Anyway, (laughs) somebody somewhere has to make this job more attractive for people to do. Otherwise, no one is going to want to do it. That's it right there. Simple nuts and bolts. They have to make this job more attractive. Otherwise, people are going to take a look at empirical evidence on the internet and they're going to fucking go, why would I fucking do that? Why would I, why would I want my kid to do that? Why would I want any of my friends to do that? You wouldn't, you fucking wouldn't. It's a terrible, horrible job that pays shit. It is a terrible, horrible job that pays shit. And I don't give a fuck who or how they try to defend how much they pay and how bad the job is. I don't care about any of that shit. They can't change the fact that it's not attractive enough to attract new people to do it. And the people who have made this job suck, at least financially, have painted themselves into a corner. And they're gonna, they're gonna, have, to force, they're, they're gonna have to force themselves to, into a paradigm shift. They're gonna have to completely change around, completely how they think about technicians, how they treat technicians, how they pay technicians, how much they pay technicians, and what they expect from technicians. They're going to have to change everything about how they deal with us or they won't have any of us to deal with, okay? That's enough of me. I'm your Uncle Jimmy. Think about that. What's the deal, right? Okay, um, <clears throat> Listen, I'm going to be going on vacation later this week, and Eric and I are going to do a bunch of shows, so stand by for that. If you've got any input at all, I am Ted goddamn serious. Let me have it, even if it's bad, even if you just think I'm a jack-off, because believe me, you're not alone. Uh, let me have it. Let me have the feedback, okay? If you've know, if you got something to say or if you got a story you want to tell, I'm glad to hear it. I mean, I can read English, you know, uh, And and if it isn't in English, fuck it. I'll put it through translator and read it anyway, okay? So let me have it. Um, we got some more content coming for you. There'll be a lot more exciting than the shit that I just spewed out 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 of my pile for this podcast. And uh, hopefully things will change. They'll look up, things will get better and people will pull their head out of their ass and decide that they need us because they don't need people to sell them. They just need people to fix them. Okay, that's enough. I'm your Uncle Jimmy. See ya.